My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal? For you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching The 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's The 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today's guest's name is Jody Womack. She and her husband, Jason, provide leadership training, executive coaching, and training on productivity. But it was when I heard Jody speak about the need for caring people to ask for help and surround themselves with a quote-unquote team of people who can provide them support when they need it is when I I knew I needed to bring her to you because as educators, we know that we put ourselves last often and put others before us and have a really difficult time acknowledging when either something has gotten to be too much or we need help. So I really hope that you are able to get just as much out of listening to my conversation with Jody as I was able to get out of just talking with her. You can find her and her husband's company at womackcompany.com and that will be in the episode notes. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> All right. Um, so just for context, we are at a critical point in the education. I'd say the workspace at every single level, um, but especially within our schools and with our teachers and school leaders. And our mission through everything that we do is to bring resources and conversations and tools to educators, district leaders. And I, I actually hope to the policymaker level um, and then to people outside of education so that we can at least retain our teachers and school leaders. And that's why I really thought it was important to have you with us today. So welcome, Jody. I'm really happy to have you here. Thanks so much. It's a real honor. Oh, no, the honor's mine. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to start out just with, um, I watched a, a, YouTube, a video that you have on your website where you open up talking about being superwoman. Can you recap or tell listeners a little bit more about that? Because I think that what you talked about was the first thing that hit me that I could identify with immediately. And then I was like, wait a second, so can teachers and so can school leaders. Sure. So I was putting together a workshop and talking about our superhero skills and our strengths and how do we fine tune and hone. And even like before that, how do we identify what we're super good at? And so often what we are masters at is invisible to us, but other people see it so clearly. And especially for the caregivers and the people who take care of other people, 
this level of love, compassion, caregiving, uh, it doesn't always show up as a skill. It's just sort of what's expected. And so when I was doing this, this talk called Dear Wonder Woman, You're Not Alone, I was thinking my mom was just the ultimate caregiver. And she took care of her mom who was aging and had dementia. And then she was also taking care of her granddaughter and, and grandson, my sister's kids. And so she was between these generations of, of literally feeding and cleaning and caring and moving and just physically demanding as well as emotionally and also very rewarding. And about five years ago, my mom moved into dementia as well. And that was devastating for me. We have been best friends since I was little. And uh, for me to see her decline and just at the physical level, the mental level, and not be able to do things. And she's at the place now where she's in a wheelchair and she's nonverbal. But along the way, she wasn't able to communicate all of that. And so to me, she's my superwoman. Um, and she really taught me getting all... <laughs> I know you're making me emotional. <laughs> it's like it's heavy stuff, right? Mm. But she really taught me like what it means to step up and care and how do you, what does that even mean? And, and um, all the hopes and dreams that I had for she and I when she, you know, retired. It's so hard. You'll never really retire from caregiving. But, you know, mm -hmm. I always thought we would travel the world and have all these adventures and, and share all these things. And all of that went away. And so I had to redefine what that relationship meant. And so what is, what is a good day with mom now? And, you know, how do I look for those, those nuggets of um, satisfaction? Like, you know, I take her on walks, we pick flowers, we pick up leaves, we pet animals and cats and dogs that walk by. It's like, what are the new, what's the new normal of what a great day can be? And how does that fill my heart? And so, you know, this is tough stuff and, and what educators are going through and, and people in the community and parents figuring out how to, you know, help their children with their education experience and responsibilities from homeschooling to, you know, just everything with the pandemic has put every, everything on in the magnifying glass, like every single decision mm -hmm. matters and it's, it's yeah. important. Um, so this, this idea of, of, honing our superhero skills. And really to me, it's all about the compassion, which includes self-care, especially for the caregivers. And I include teachers and principals and admin staff as all part of that caregiving team for the, for the whole school. Yeah. I mean, first of all, thanks for sharing your story. I mean, it's, I'm sorry about to hear that your mom's going through that and um, what you say about redefining what, what, what those good moments are and what, what you were looking forward to. Um, that's really touching. And also, um, I think something that we could probably relate to on so many levels, right? Like on that deep level, there may be people who are actually going through that, or there may be people who say, okay, I've been focusing on what I think something should be instead of figuring out in this tough time, what, does ha what can happiness or what can a good day look like? What does it entail? And that's actually something that I'd like to think further about too, because I think I entered into kind of a negative headspace for a little bit about three weeks ago when all of the stuff around 
the Delta variant um, started coming up, I was all I could think about was what that meant for the school year. That's all I could think about. I know I'm not scared for myself or my family, or, uh, but I, I'm just like, oh my goodness. I, we had such expectations for this amazing year and what, and what an amazing year looks like in a non-pandemic year. And I was grappling really hard with what I didn't even, I wouldn't even let myself go there to what it would look like in a pan, if starting, starting school this year with our current reality. And I've made myself, or I'm going to have to make myself over the next week or two really actually de- redefine what I can look for too. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, and, and I, that's I, a great, great activity, just practical. Because one of the criticisms of the self-help or the, the positive um, personal development field is that it's, it's too squishy, right? It's like, oh no, let's talk about practical. What is a good day in your family life? What is a good day at work? And not the perfect day, not like laying on the beach with a, a drink with an umbrella in it. It's like that, right. that could be an ideal day as well. But what's an ideal family day on the weekend? What's an ideal work day when the kiddos all go to school and you go to your school? And what's an ideal day now? And and those expectations have really changed. It's what, what you may have thought of was totally normal standard operating procedure pre-pandemic is now like, wow, just being able to be in the presence of people, seeing smiles or, you know, be having a, a, a lunch outside where you can be with friends uh, or with kiddos, like that's now a special event where I don't think we ever would have said like sitting outside on a picnic table was a special event before. So even naming those things that are are important and special and give meaning to our day-to-day existence that's really for me it was so important to do those things with my mom so that when they happened i could have like a little celebration so i could acknowledge like today was a good day it was a hard day but today was a good day i got you know some smiles some words with her it's about music and getting her to sing because then i get to hear her voice and like her personality. Like, what is a good day in your office? What is a good day in your classroom? What is a good day in the carpooling minivan ride to and from? Those are all super practical, tactical things we can name for ourselves. And finding those little joys are super relevant in this time where everything is hard. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I... That is such an incredible guiding question. Honestly, I think I mean for my for me too. I I definitely need to I need to do that for myself because I was freaking out inside about the upcoming year because all I want to do is be around my students without mask like I just <laughs> without masks looking at each other like doing group work all these things that I realize you know are not necessarily possible. Uh, in the current reality or our return to that reality. So I was really feeling, I guess, a loss of what I was expecting a great day to be. And so that's what I, I actually need to do that. I need to sit down and really evaluate what what will be a good day. Because I do that in my personal life. I learned to do that and say, like, there are just family dynamics or like we, I had a lot of loss within a two-year period. And so I was having trouble finding... The, the good moments. 
and then one day it just kind of hit me and I was, um, my husband and I were just getting ready for bed. And I said, today was a good day. And he looked at me and he was like, yeah, it was. And I'm like, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but today was a good day. And I want to just say it before, before we go to bed so that we can say like, today was actually a good day. Yeah. Um, and so we started doing that while dealing with something that, um, in our family that was really close to us that could, could really wreck a day. Um, and it was really nice to every day just be like, today was a good day. Yes. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but today was a good day. Um, my nephew taught me that, that game that roses, thorns, and buds. Have you heard of that? I have. So roses are good things. Thorns are hard things and buds are what's potential or opportunity. And I love that. I, I think it, when I first thought of it, it was a, a kid activity, but I think there's huge value for adults to name good things that happen throughout the day, especially when it feels like it's all thorns. So I'm so glad to hear that for you. I love that you, you shared earlier that you got your workout in, Yeah, you know, like how do we have these things? It's like, I'm really proud of myself. I'm building these habits. I know this is good for me. It doesn't always feel good at the moment or, but, but knowing that we have these things that help take care of us so that we can help take care of others. Like that's our role as caregivers, as people who take care of other people, that that's super important that we find ways to do that mentally for ourselves, like naming the good things as well as doing them. I want, I'm going to, I want to continue on that, on that thread in a second. I just want to say side note, roses, thorns, and buds, that, that would actually be an incredible activity to do with kids. What a great way to assess how, whether it's during homeroom or advisory, when you're not really sure what to do, that could be a quick, so anybody who's out there teaching or doing professional development right now, doing roses, thorns, and, and buds would be an amazing way just to get a, a temperature check on the class. And you could do it for how are we feeling today or how did that lesson go? You know, how, how well do you feel like, what, what was it? What was a rose? What was a thorn? And what, what's a, what's something you feel like you can, you're not quite there yet, but you think you're going to get there. What's emerging? That's such a quick way to do it. I'm picturing right now visuals, like printing out a rose, printing out a thorn, printing out a, like a little bud, a, a, whether it's a rose bud or a budding flower, and actually having those up and letting kids go up and actually post their rose or thorn in their bud so they're actually up they're, you know, or they're on their devices on um, Jamboard. And they're putting that, that anybody who's uh, a teacher will know what I'm talking about because we were doing everything remote, digitally last year, but that's a great activity yeah. to do with, with kids too. And like you mentioned, sometimes we need to acknowledge the loss, the thorns, just to give context of where we are. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I know so many people were um, challenged by the zoom experience because it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like we were connected, but doing those types of activities, you can do those virtually, like you were saying through your device, or, you know, if you put yeah. together as a family, uh, through zoom, because you're not able to connect in person, like acknowledging what's real is a way that we connect through our hearts. And all of a sudden now we feel connected, even if we're not physically in the same space, being able to see our whole faces, eyes, nose, and mouth, the whole deal. I mean, I'm literally seeing so much here, uh, just with what you just said. 
especially as I think, I mean, I won't let myself think about remote learning. I won't even go there um, because I don't want to imagine that could possibly happen this year. However, if it does, and if it is happening and, and for anybody who's listening, that's actually another great way to battle, not to battle, to um, still connect with kids, especially the, I think elementary school, I were a little bit more engaged with the, um, with like Google Classroom, Google Google Meets, things like that, where they were like, they were signing onto their class and interacting. I had a lot of friends, I'd be on the phone with them and they'd be like, oh my goodness, let me just go. And I could hear all the giggles and stuff. It was funny. But middle and high school teachers had a real challenge with, we call it the blank screen, right? Like you feel like you're teaching to a bunch of emojis or like like pictures on and that one one kid who might have their camera pointed at the ceiling. And that was a real challenge. I mean, I think for people who, I didn't ever feel abandoned by kids uh, who, who didn't have their screen on because I knew there could be a thousand reasons why. Um, but there were a lot of people who really had, like their, their teaching experience was really impacted by feeling like they were teaching to screens. And so one great way though, to continue the connection would be to post even as uh, an exit question that they, they do by the next day is, hey, what was a rose, thorn, and bud? Because A, it's a way to get them to answer. B, it's easy for them to understand what they're supposed to do and answer. And C, you might learn something about why a kid's camera was off um, or why they may not have been as present that day uh, because it's a safe way for them to share with you what's going on versus they're not going to share that in the middle of class in front of all their peers and say, Oh, sorry, my camera's not on, but X is going on behind me. Um, so lots of, I'm going to put that in the episode notes. I'll probably use that a lot, but I just realized that's such a great way to check in with students. So thank you for, (laughs) thanks for going there. I want to, I want to go back though, to, um, when you talk about caregivers, so I haven't talked a ton about this yet, I plan to, but when you talk about caregivers, and this stood out to me too when I was watching your uh, presentation that you were that you were giving. When you talk about caregivers and kind of the, I guess, the attributes of a lot of caregivers, right? So I, you probably could probably call us empaths or very empathetic, sensitive, caring a lot, giving a lot of ourselves to others, right? I would say that most educators fall into that role to some degree. Some are, some are, you know, on one end, like that defines them. Others, maybe they're a little bit naturally uh, better at protecting their boundaries, but still nobody went into education for the money. They all went in because they, they, they want to either impact a kid's life or they love teaching or they love kids. So what are some of the, what do you, what do you see? Because we don't talk about this in education. We just don't, and we need to, um, because I think maybe it's something that's expected of teachers just to, to be this way. But the thing is they already are. So already the, the, our internal makeup is in to some degree this way. What are some of the, we know the, we know the wonderful things about being a caregiver, uh, and having that caring, uh, thinking of others, putting others first, personality or uh, just way of being. What are some of the dangers though, or what are some of the things to look out for when, when we are, when we are in that role of a caregiver? Well, I think the irony is for caregivers, the hardest thing is to take care of themselves. 
Yes. Right. So the yes. dangers are burnout, physical exhaustion, physical, mental, emotional exhaustion. I went home just this recently. And the very first time I lifted my mom to move her to her wheelchair, she slipped. I had to catch her. I was not positioned correctly. I thought I broke my back. I was in so much pain. Um, I got her safely into her chair, but it was one of those things where I had made an assumption that she was in the same physical state as she was a few months prior is when I was there last time. She's not. And so I physically got hurt. And so my concern with care with, with educators and, and administrators is that you're always giving so much to so many. How do you take care of yourself so that you don't burn out? You don't, you know, what are, I'm trying to frame it positive. Like, how do we take care of ourselves emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, at our core, our relationships, all of those things. And it's hard because those take time too. And so for me, uh, when I'm, when I'm home and caregiving and I, I, I went to the emergency room, I, it, it took a couple days for me to be able to stand and walk again. And it was a big lesson to slow down, to ask for help. Uh, I shared right away with one of my, my friends in my community. And he said, Oh, here's a, a chiropractor, you know, a doctor that can help you heal quicker. And so it's like, how do I take care of myself? How do I let my team know I need help? And I use that word team very, very loosely. I don't have a staff or a team, but I just meant the people who care about me. And so whether that's family members or coworkers or just however you define that, but I think that is super important for um, caregivers to have their own personal team to be able to say like, I'm not okay right now. I'm going to need a little extra help. I'm going to need a little extra time. These, this is what I need in order to um, show up and be my best. And I, you and I have talked, Michaela, that when people ask you, how are you? There's only one answer, <laughs> right? Right. I'm fine. Great. All good. And that's not always true. And I know that sometimes we just need to say that to certain people. And it's really important. We have a team of people and a team could be one. That one powerful, mighty, awesome person, spouse, best friend, parent, somebody that can relate when they ask us, how are you? Say, I'm having a really challenging time. I'm really in a dark place. I'm really sad. I'm really physically exhausted. Whatever is true for us, those things that we might not be able to broadcast at, at work or to the community space, all that, I get it. Um, but caregivers need to have someone or some small group, a team support group that you can be honest and get that kind of rallying support when you need it. Yeah. I mean, I thank you. I, that's so important. I never, ever, ever thought that I'd be in the place to, to need that because I always say, um, I never had a bad day until all of a sudden, and, and then all of a sudden there was just this line of demarcation. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was, I, I couldn't, it, it was something I could, I could barely deal with, but instead of, instead of really be, I didn't even know how to ask for help, but I would handle it all myself. I would isolate at home at night. Like I would just go home and I would, uh, this is before I was married. I would 
because my husband now is somebody who's a big support system for me. But at the time I would, I didn't even want to be around anybody because I never knew how I was, what me was going to show up. <laughs> was I going to be crying? Was I going to be scared? Was I going to be anxious? Was I going to be exhausted? I didn't know. So it was easier for me not to have anybody worry about me and just, and just be by myself because that way I didn't have to explain it to anybody. Yeah. And you said something beautiful in there. I didn't even know how to ask for help. That is so powerful to be able to identify that. And especially for caregivers and, and for teachers and for people who take care of teachers, like your job has always been to care and take care of and manage Mm -hmm. everybody else. And so to have the burden of worrying about having people worry about you can be this whole other level of complexity. Um, yeah. I had a girlfriend who was going through some postpartum with a very sick infant and she reached out to her girlfriends when she was just about to crack, you know, and I'm so proud of her. And she said, I can't do it. And I need help at every level. And she lined up seven girlfriends and we each spent the night and took care of a crying baby for 12 hours overnight. And I'm here, I can do anything at one night. You know, she was doing it <laughs> yep. months, seven nights a week without any support. And she, she just knew she was in a very scary place. It took her to, you know, be almost at her breaking point where she said, I need help going to the grocery market. I need someone to take the trash cans out to the street and bring them back. I need someone to walk the dog. I need someone to to sleep over with the baby so I can get back sleep into my schedule, you know, and, and some of the things I'm so proud of her for doing it because we all as friends kept saying like, Oh, let me know if I can help. But it was so such a burden. And she uh, honestly, she felt shame in having to ask Mm -hmm. for those things. But as a girlfriend, I was so excited to be able to help her. And I know now there's apps that do meal trains and, you know, people can, you know, schedule things, but being able to say like, I can't make it to the market for whatever reason. Um, I, I just need help with, you know, an hour or two of daycare so that I can go do this thing for myself. Like whatever those needs are, first of all, identify them and name them for yourself. That's the first step to know what those self-care things are. And then start building your team and finding who's who's really there for you. And and that is a big leap of faith for a lot of folks who have never asked for anything, but have always been the givers. And uh, yeah, I, my, my hope is that your friends step up and the ones that say they want to help actually do. And it, it's, there's nothing that creates a tighter bond and, and connection to people to have that inner knowing of like, I got your back. You go lay down, you can watch TV. Like it doesn't even have to be productive. If you want to go binge and be in a room with no screaming babies for a little while, I got you. Right. And, and just saying that those things are okay. And those are the people on our team, as well as getting mental health support, having a Mm -hmm. therapist, having someone you can say all those terrible, nasty, mean, ugly things that we don't want anybody in our lives to know that we actually think go find somebody where you can just dump all that out, (laughs) process it, clean it up, and then show up healthy and and happy to be in your life because that's how we need you. Yeah. I mean, so much there that (laughs) resonates with me. I think 
for, I think as somebody who, so I, I taught for, I was in education, I would say, because uh, I was a teaching assistant at a residential therapeutic locked facility when I was right out of college. So I was 22, 23. Wow. That's where I realized I had a passion for special education. Um, and I went to grad school so I could get my certification in my content area. And, and I added special ed because that's where I realized I had a passion for that. And I started teaching at 25. So from 25 to 32, I, while there were some challenging years, because sometimes I worked with some populations that were students with emotional disturbance, you know, behavior, there was some physical acting out students, like th those things are, are tough. <laughs> um, but I never had, like, I love teaching. And I always felt too, that there was almost a natural community around me because there are a lot of teachers in a school, right? So there's usually people who can understand what you're going through. Hopefully that we stay away from the toxic conversations, right? And yes, we can say, I'm just venting right now. That's all I'm doing. I'm venting and we're doing it behind a closed door. This is not meant to, right? We can identify it's just a vent session right now and we don't do it too much. So because that can, that can be a, a culture killer for only ever than just having this echo chamber of negativity. However, it's important to have people that you can at least, you feel like are, understand what you're going through. And I feel like with teachers, for the most part, they probably have that. And, and if they don't, then, and if it's not within their school, then absolutely, you know, seeking out either it's other teacher friends or like you said, your team, your family, whoever it is, friends. Um, and, or I had, I got professional help when I was a teacher in that setting because I was talking about physically and emotionally, mentally caring for teenagers who were in a really tough spot. And also it was very taxing because I was, I was getting almost like, like physically assaulted. Um, I needed, I needed a place where I could, I could talk some stuff through. So I, I had a therapist during that time. Um, but I would say that when I made, when I made the move to, uh, it was when I became a principal. So assistant principal, still a sense of community. There's a team you're working with. Hopefully somebody like I did had, they have an amazing team. So you just feel just lifted up all the time, even though the work's really hard. When I made the transition to principal, all of a sudden I felt completely alone. And I think, no, and nobody talks about it. I just remember on my third day after crying in the bathroom in my office, <laughs> that was like double locked so nobody knew. <laughs> I walked out of my, my own office and uh, one of the secretaries at the school said, oh, you have a phone call. And so it was, I picked up and it was a principal who had been a principal for forever in the district I was in. And uh, he was in a different role. He was supporting, doing some professional development. And I said, oh, hey, how's it going? He's like, Does, uh, what did he, I forget what he said. He said, does the job suck yet? And I was like, huh? <laughs> and he's like, oh, just so you know, it never gets any better. Now, I had just left my bathroom crying. <laughs> and I, so I was feeling pretty low. And, you know, I had a big smile on my face when I came out of my office. But inside, I was, you know, torn up. And for him to say that was one of the most deflating things I've ever heard because I thought to myself, it doesn't get better. I thought it was supposed to get better. But other than that, random phone call once in a while, there's very little connection to anybody else who understands what you might be going through. And then it's very scary to reach out because unless, you're, unless you ha do have somebody who 
maybe you're friends with in your district, but even then, unless you know them very well, you may not trust them, right? Because there's a very big lack of trust among, I would say probably more among administrators in urban districts with a ton of turnaround and a lot of pressure. Um, I've seen some great camaraderie in smaller districts. Um, there's a lot of fear. And so not knowing, even knowing who is your team, who is your actual team when you're in the works, the workplace, who are your people? Who can you reach out to is a really scary, scary, isolating feeling. And then you, I think the natural thing is to say, well, there is no team. There is nobody. So I'm just going to keep pushing through. There's no, there's no choice. So that, I don't know that I, I have always had a group. Like I said, I isolated myself from pretty much everybody. Um, and I wish I had had somebody say to me, this is when it's the most important to have a team, whether it's your therapist, go back and see her, or it's one person who, you know, you can talk to. That would be really important for definitely school principals. I would imagine superintendents. I haven't been in that role, but it's, it's really uh, isolating to, to feel that way. And you feel completely alone because there isn't anybody else around who can understand exactly what it feels like to be in that role and how much you're giving of yourself and hiding, working double hard to hide the pain that you're going through. So that really resonated. I think there's a lot there for teachers to make sure they're surrounding themselves with people who can relate, but then also lift each other up. And then also for, you know, administrators to identify when it's before it's too late, when it's time to say, Hey, and by the way, if you're a principal and you're okay, can you come on my podcast? Because (laughs) there must be some magic there because I don't know that any principals are actually okay right now trying to, you know, lead, especially after yesterday reading about, possible whole school testing weekly for COVID for, for vaccinated and unvaccinated. I thought to myself, I I mean, I, I, I'm speechless. So hopefully that's not, well, I I shouldn't say anything. If that is what has to happen, then administrators are going to need a lot of help. Just anybody listening who can help that just know they're going to need a lot of help because they're not even going to know how to ask for it because it's going to be so overwhelming. But yeah, building your team of people around you. Yeah. And I, I think the community of administrators is very similar to startup business owners, very similar to CEO leaders where people at the top aren't allowed to share. What a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you could peek behind the curtain and know everything that I know, you wouldn't believe what's going on. So yes, they're a, a unique set of individuals. There are other parallels in the professional spaces of people who carry that kind of burden. And there are support groups, there's online groups, there's anonymous kind of um, boards. If you can create a community of other people in in your physical community that that can relate, fantastic. Uh, But the point is to, to start building this team you so that you have that support because yes, you can hold it all in until you can't, right? Like until something really big happens and then you're trying to build a team. Most people try and build a team once they're behind and that that's a tough place to be. Um, 
I always tell people to build their network when they have something to give, like when they're on the front side of the situation. Uh, we're in a situation, pandemic, COVID, all of this stuff. So those people who had strong relationships and who are still trying to, you know, able to feed those relationships are probably in a better place than those people that were, you know, an island unto themselves. Uh, but those people, I work a lot with the military here and, and they're in a very catch 22 space where a lot of times they're, they don't go to the doctor because the doctor can take them off the flight line or they, you know, if they, if, if somebody knew that they were in pain, they wouldn't be allowed to do their job. And so I get it. It is complicated. There are no simple answers to right. build that network and find how, do, how do you know who's trustworthy? It's like little, little practice tests, let people earn that trust. And as you go forward and that that's included with family, right? Spouses, family members extended, um, let them earn it and, and take care of yourself along the way so that you don't make any sweeping statements of like, I'm not telling anybody anything because I got burned. It's like, oh, right. no, like we're going to practice who can keep a secret, who, you know, will keep my confidence, <laughs> who, um, you know, just doesn't share. I've been learning so much about gossip and, uh, I'm learning that there's all other kinds of names, like the back channel, like there's the meeting. And then there's all the talk about the meeting. Yes. Well, the meeting could still be going on. Yes. Everybody's on yes. their phone <laughs> texting me. Can you believe this just happened? So, you know, with our integrity, with our um, intuition, all of those, those empathic skills, how do we find our other that we want to surround ourselves with so that we're at our best despite Yeah. I the situations. Yeah. And, and something when you, something just kind of hit me when you were talking about that is thinking back because I'm, I'm in a much different, I've grown a lot over the last, well, through the entire nine years of, or eight years of difficulty, I would call it lots of other stuff, but I, you know, I was in survival mode for a long time, fight or flight mode where I, not a lot of growth happens there because it's just fight or flight survival. However, realizing that I no longer would talk, I, I deserve to not feel that way was a big moment. And then when I made, when I said that to myself was when I was also more open to learning and, and figuring out what to do about it. So that was probably over the past couple of years. And so I'm in a much different space now um, and still growing, but a, a much different space. Thinking back to when it, things were at their, at their hardest for me and there were some dark moments, I actually did have a team. I had, they called, they actually called themselves Team Keegan, <laughs> um, which is, yeah. And, and it was, I mean, a powerhouse, amazing team of, and just, I think there's one other thing to add to have a team because the thing is I did have a team. Of, a, of incredible friends and, and some, and colleagues, but I wouldn't let them in to the, to the real, like to the actual, when I really at probably needed them, I, I just knew they knew that it would, things were tough, but I wouldn't, I remember one of the worst nights of my life and my friends knew it. And so 
my friend Brooke was, she lived about two miles, two miles from me. And we had been on the phone or we were texting. I can't remember. Cause I don't even know if I could talk that night. And she said, um, I'm, I'm coming over. And I, I remember I said, no, don't come over. Like I can't, I could, couldn't even figure out how to be around somebody, even somebody who I was so close to. And I kept telling her not to come over. And all of a sudden she was like, well, I'm downstairs at your door. Cause I lived on the second floor. She's like, so I'm either going to stand out here, you know, for the rest of the night, or you're going to come let me in. And I let her in and I, I needed that. I needed her to say to me, I, I'm going to bust your door down. <laughs> I'm actually coming in. So, you know, you're, I'm your like best friend. Do you want me, really want me to wait out here all night? So I actually wasn't letting my team in when I needed them the most. So I think that's another thing. I don't know the answer. Like, I, can't, I don't know if I can put myself back in that time and actually say that I would or could do it differently. But I think had I even been aware that that was a danger, I might have said to myself when Brooke first said, I'm coming over, I would have said, okay, instead of trying to keep everybody out. So I think it's an important distinction that you may already have a team, but are you letting them in? And, uh, you know, they may be close connections, best friends, they may be remote, they may be colleagues. I, right. I think I, I always think humor helps even in really super terrible situations. And I tell people like one of my superpowers is cussing and I won't do it here, but I'll just say like, <laughs> if you get to that place and you need to use some words or you need some new ones, you call me. And there's something about just acknowledging when we are in that terrible, terrible, dark space, like there's somebody that's been there also. And, and just to let them in, not to fix you, but just to witness it, to be part of the experience. Um, you know, because someone did that for you, I bet you're that kind of person that would notice when somebody's having a terrible day, when a teacher, you know, as an administrator, you would notice when a teacher really needs a day off, yeah. uh, just a, a mental yes. health quality of life. I just need a day to get back to me kind of thing. So yeah, we're, we're lucky when we have those people in our lives that show up, even when we tell them not to, or we do our best to be terrible and they still show up and love on us in the way that they can. Um, but yes, yeah, so build team, you build your ideal days. Um, so that when you're not having an ideal day, you can remember like, Oh, I remember when I drink a glass of water, when I go for a walk, when I do 10 squats, when I do anything that's physically <laughs> yeah. reinforcing the life force, right? Like it's not even mm -hmm. a workout, 10 squats, yeah. not a workout, but I am saying my body and my strength is important to me. And that helps me get to the next day and the next thing, all of those little steps acknowledged uh, can really get you out of the dark times. Yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, guys, there's been so much just from this conversation that we started off, you and I talking, I think before we were even recording that this might not be like, oh, I have tangible solutions, but actually, Jody, we just came up with a bunch of them. So the first one being as we roll into the school year, because I know I've seen a lot of my friends who don't live in this part of the country, um, the Northeast, we always start right before or after Labor Day, usually, but other parts of the country start this week or last week. So 
I've seen a lot of first day of school uh, posts. So if you're getting ready to start the school year or you have already started the school year, redefining what a, what makes a good day. So whether it's the fist bump or the elbow bump that you made with the students um, or a moment of humor in the class, that might be redefining what makes a good day. Yeah. Um, it, it, the roses, thorns, and if you do the roses, thorns, and buds, I promise you're going to have a good day. <laughs> Even if you see all thorns, at least they'll, at least you know why, and this gives you something to connect on. Um, also, what I loved was talking about, you know, us naturally being really naturally being caregivers and what the, um, we all know why that's great, but what are some of the things that we can experience just burnout and things like that and how to make sure that we ask for help and then how do you actually ask for help and what does it look like to have help and what is help having your circle around you, um, having one person or a team that you can go to and also making sure you let that team in or let that person in when they recognize you need them and even you, you may not recognize it saying, yes, okay. Okay. Because if they're seeing it, then you need to actually, it means, Hey, it's time. It's time to at least say or acknowledge. Yeah, you're right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not myself today or I'm not okay right now. And then just sit in silence or talk about it. Journal it, share it. Um, yeah, find a way to process it. That's, it needs to move through you. Don't let it just sit and fester. That's one of my things. Like go for a walk, scream outside somewhere in nature, you know, yeah. do those things to move it through your body so that you can get to the other side of it and think differently. Think about it, not think in it. That is. Yeah. I love really that. Key. I love that. Think of, think about it and not in it. Wow. That's really powerful. We're going to end on that. Okay. So think about it and not in it. Yeah. Um, Jody, I, where can people find you? Cause I know when I went to your website for me, I like, I had an experience that helped me just in looking through, through, through the things that you have just on your website, where, what is your website? Where can they find you? You know, they can go to womackcompany.com. They, I wrote a book with my husband called Get Momentum. So that's on Amazon, Audible, Kindle, all those good things. Just, I, I want people to take action. So even if it's about self-care, even if it's about um, how do you feel better, what make those lists and, and share them with the people who care about you and who you care about. Uh, and yeah, stay in touch. I'm on LinkedIn and... <laughs> No, I, I know. I know that like for somebody, so you're a caregiver, right? So naturally you want to, you, you're like, Oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to promote the stuff that I have. No, it's not promoting. It's actually honestly expanding access to you for people who really can benefit from it. And I can tell you that the more I've opened my world up to uh, people outside of the, I call it the education bubble. That's like my new term. And now we use bubble for everything, but this education, it's more than a bubble. Actually, it's like a concrete block. Um, and opening that up and experiencing conversations with people outside of that realm, I feel like I have all of a sudden, like I've, I'm like, wow, I hacked the system. Like I, I found it. I found the treasure. Uh, and I want to bring that to 
educators, to everybody in education because we need it. They, they need it. And so just being able to find you is going to help them be able to watch that, watch your video, watch your talk, re-listen to this podcast, reach out. Um, it's just really helpful. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Michaela. Yeah. And, and uh, my best wishes to all your listeners and all that you're doing to help people. It's a great service. Thanks everyone. I, I hope you were able to take away the things that I was able to take away and more specifically her tips that I don't know that she realized were actually a list of tips to care for ourselves. So number one, defining what makes a good day in our current circumstance, that changed my mindset a lot coming into this school year because when I talked to Jody before the school year started and before this podcast episode, I was having a hard time coming to terms with the fact that we were returning to school with masks and all of the uh, pandemic uh, mitigation measures that we've taken because it, it, it symbolized so much to me. And she said, well, what does it look like now to have a good day in that space? And that really helped. Um, to ask for help and also to accept it and to build your team and let them in. So again, we need to have more of these conversations and have access to them in our education bubble. And I hope that this episode was helpful for you. As always, reach out to me at www.dissectedpodcastmkj.com and you can also find Jody at womatcompany.com. Have a great week.